Welcome to the Dangling Conversation. In this episode, I sit down with my friend and coworker Tyler Forbin. I've gotten to know Tyler really well this summer, and his passion for God, his randomness, and his wisdom have made him the man he is today. Spending time with Tyler has taught me so much, like what being a man of God actually looks like, and how to think critically and logically of everything that comes my way, even if that means I question his conspiracy theory opinions. In this episode, we discuss Tyler's approach to songwriting, his spiritual journey, wrestling with God, van life, sailing, and for We Bid You Review, we evaluate marriage. This episode is a bit longer because Tyler just loves to ramble on, but I found it worth it to keep this as one piece. I hope you enjoyed this episode of The Dangling Conversation. Here I am with Tyler Forben. Yo. So I was, something I wanted to ask you is, what's it like having spent almost the entire summer with me? (laughs) (laughs) Well, um, shoot, well, I I didn't uh, expect to spend my whole summer with you. Um, but it just kind of worked out that way, but, um, it's, it's been a lot of fun. You've added a lot of color (laughs) to my life (laughs) in a lot of ways. Um, a lot of the different work crews I've worked with over the years, um, in my, you know, a lot of times you just get people that just want to clock in, do their work, not really talk to like anybody and just go home you know, and working with somebody like you, Noah, um, how extroverted and bubbly you are, um, definitely had a lot of color in ways that, um, I really haven't had before in a construction crew. (laughs) (laughs) See, I was, I was really nervous. I was really nervous to start working. Um, because like we really, how did we meet each other? Well, um, I know you went to help. Yeah. And I'm pretty sure you knew my sister. Yeah, before yeah. Before I knew you. And she had, like, you had come up in conversation a couple times. Like, I would hear your name, Noah Bergdorf. And, like, uh, and then I believe, like, I knew Rowan. Uh-huh. And you wouldn't mention your name, too. So for a while, you were just a name floating around there. Right. I didn't really know who you were. Because so. that's, like, every Christian homeschooler in Cincinnati. Yeah. If you don't know them, you know their name. Yeah, exactly. Literally. Yeah. It's kind of crazy how that works so many times it's like i yeah i don't know in the cincinnati christian homeschool community unless you're one of those homeschoolers that like completely isolate yourself completely which i don't think that's a majority i think no very much a minority but um it just seems like everyone's at least heard of everyone it's kind of cool actually yeah it's like you're living in a small town but you're not there's like it's an entire subculture yeah yeah I just, I remember, um, I really don't know the first time we actually met because I remember going, like, Bailey would always have, like, parties or people over and, like, maybe I ran into you at, like, the brand setter stuff, but it was, like, pretty normal to see you around at this point where it just became, like, oh, Tyler, like, that guy or whatever, but I was so, I was so nervous to start working with you because, um... Like last summer, I went to your Bible study and stuff. Mm-hmm. I was so nervous because we really only had one real conversation, like one on one. And then I'm like, look, like if I'm gonna be spending the entire summer with this guy, that like, like I really liked you, and I told you that I was like, yeah. I think you're a cool guy. But I had this like fear in my mind. I'm like, I'm going to annoy the crap out of him if we're spending the whole summer together. Yeah, 
Well, I mean, there's truth in every joke they say. and uh, <laughs> um, <laughs> You know what? I think just because you don't really annoy me. You might annoy me every now and then. Where it's like, okay, dude, like, let's just get our work done. Like, shut up. <laughs> just, I don't want to, I don't really have an opinion on this music album. Not really. I'm going to act like I do, but I don't. You know, I just want to go home to my wife. That's so specific. <laughs> but I will say, I think some of the best relationships that I've had, probably my closest friends, if they don't, I feel like if someone doesn't annoy you, you don't know them well enough. You don't know them well enough. Yeah. And they're not really that close. Yeah. Um, I mean, my best friends have annoyed the crap out of me. Literally Anthony, like 30 minutes ago, he's like, I'm coming over with no announcement when you already had some plans. And now he's sleeping on my couch. Yeah. (laughs) But you know, yeah, I think there's, I think there's something to say about when, if you have a friend that annoys you sometimes, yeah, you're, you're pretty close. You're, you're tight. So, um, I don't see that as a bad thing, because it's not. It's not. No. It's a. It's a minority. Of the, yeah. It's. It's a small part of. Like that's the thing I always say about Rowan. Yeah. Is that I'm like Rowan, my best friend, who I hate. Like I. I almost. <laughs> I always hate them because I'm just like, oh my gosh. I walk away from conversations like ready to punch him in the face sometimes. <laughs> yeah. But at the end of the day, you have to be friends with them. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's kind of like tea, for me. <laughs> So, um, a little curveball. Uh, I kind of asked some people for questions to ask you. So, this is a question from your mom. Really? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. She gave, she gave me a good one. She Did said, you call her? No. Okay. Yeah, I got your mom's number. Oh, sweet. Okay. Yeah. Um, uh, <laughs> the question from your mom is, how has your spiritual adventure affected your songwriting? Oh, wow. Just well, answer that how you want. Okay. Well, I guess, I don't know. You know, I'm, I'm not very famous or anything but i guess just so everyone out there knows um i do like to songwrite um as kind of a hobby um ever so often um i will host concerts and and play in the concerts and share some of my songs um but yeah um songwriting so that's definitely something that's newer to me um i most of my childhood life and teen years music theater art what's kind of the last thing on my mind um i enjoyed music listening to music Mm -hmm. but i'd never thought about myself playing music um or sing much less singing or way much less songwriting pretty much just played basketball and that was kind of what i was all about but as i grew um in my maturity and my specifically in context of my walk with um god and my um spiritual life um i think i think it was definitely something that pushed me towards expressing myself Mm. in more of an artistic fashion instead of just um holding it all in Mm. i guess um and there was there was multiple things that that pushed me to songwrite, but I, I definitely say that a huge one for me was um, my my spiritual walk, getting closer with Jesus, learning to um, rely on Him more and more, um, learning that I can't health healthily get through life without Him, without prioritizing time with Him, 
in prayer or just in uh, meditation or, or reading his, his word. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, so I pretty much all my music there, there is roots, um, in my faith in every song I've ever, ever written. And I mean, it's kind of hard for me. It's kind of hard to say, like, to separate my spiritual walk from anything I do. Yeah. So, I mean, you could say that about any, any aspect of life, any aspect of life. I mean, as a Christian, um, with the worldview that I hold, it's, it's kind of hard for me to, it has to bleed over. It, it has to bleed over yeah. naturally. So, um, yeah, I, I say it's it's affected um, my songwriting completely. I mean, I can't all all I really care about writing, to be honest, is is not necessarily worship songs, but songs that speak truth, mm. that speak encouragement and light into people's lives. Hopefully, my experience, like things I've experienced in my life, that um, that have also um, played out into my songwriting Mm. um every everything all the songs i write just have that as as a priority naturally um i want people to uh, know jesus i want them to feel um what it's like to have him by your side Mm -hmm. and i just want to like enlighten um especially young folks but people of all ages even older too that life is more than just uh climbing a corporate ladder or may- maybe more than you know on the other extreme right Cl- climbing the corporate ladder on one stream and then something that's really popular with especially like my age categories and like millennials mm-hmm. is like their goal isn't necessarily to lit to climb the corporate ladder it's to like live more of a carefree life maybe yeah. like you know like van life is so like <laughs> in, right that's that's hip right oh van life you know <laughs> instagram yeah instagram got my chacos and yeah <laughs> my sister texted yeah. me uh about buying a pair of chacos because yeah. they're getting two pairs and if they get a third pair it's like free shipping so oh, like really? you want a pair of chacos oh, that's kind of dope okay yeah thanks for the tip no, <laughs> <laughs> yeah i mean i have a pair of chacos i love them my wife bought them for me of course it's did. yeah so like i didn't even really know what they were and then my wife really me, and then my wife had a pair uh, and she was like oh yeah chacos i was like what's that she's like they're really dope sandals i'm like oh okay oh here's 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 a pair for christmas oh okay. <laughs> sick hey yeah. these are sweet oh i guess it's a really hip stereotype thing oh okay yeah but um anyway um <laughs> where was i going um yeah oh yeah so yeah, there's like I feel like people go into extremes like they prioritize something in their life. Like mm. um maybe they prioritize their family or their job or idolize it. Yeah, that they, might be a better word. They, yeah, idolize definitely. Thanks for clarifying that. I think that is actually what I'm trying to say is they put um all all their emphasis on a certain life goal whether that be like van life or like being a successful um uh businessman or or being really satisfied in your career. Yeah. And they make an idol out of it. And I think Christians can even do that um, with their families. Oh, for sure. Um, they prior prioritize having this, like, perfect family situation where everyone's, like, living in harmony and, like, happy. And that's great. And, like, those are fruits of true believers, for sure. But um, in an effort to prioritize those things, 
um, they they idolize it and then mm-hmm. they forget their first love, Jesus. Mm-hmm. Um, and I, I I think a huge desire of my heart is to kind of call people to um, back to their roots, back to their their faith of what really matters. It's not about being successful and and or having in in, in any any category or in any endeavor in life. Mm-hmm. Um, but what really matters is, do you love God with your whole heart, soul, mind, strength, you know, all that, right. all that stuff, right? Like, is that what gets you out of bed in the morning? Is that the reason you do anything? Mm. And I think if we're really honest with ourselves, that's, we hold back a lot. Yeah, that's not that's not always the case, and I, I mean, right. I I fall into it all the time. Yeah. Um. Anyway, but songwriting and, and writing songs is kind of a almost a personal worshipful worshipful thing too. It's almost like writing in a journal. I was never good at like writing like journaling or anything. Yeah. Like I've been encouraged to do it multiple times in my life, and I've tried, but I've failed. But when I sing some of the songs I've written you know, that were a couple years old, it reminds me where I was back in that time where maybe I was facing a certain idol that I had to let go. Mm. And then it kind of reawakens uh, me to what really matters. And I'm like, wow, yeah, actually I've, I've, I've gone off course. I'm, I'm focusing way too much on earthly things. And I want to go back to um, Jesus being the reason why I do anything. Mm. The whole reason why I would even want to be successful is to glorify God, to steward um, the resources that he gives me that are ultimately his anyways. Yeah. Um, I mean, nothing I earn is is really mine. It's all yeah. his. And he can take it away at, at any point. So who am I to like hold on to it with an iron fist or like trying to build my kingdom? That's really just a facade and it doesn't really exist. And yeah. Yeah. Uh, so I, I, yeah, that was probably way more than uh, <laughs> than the question. But yeah, I would. <laughs> yes, mom, I, I definitely <laughs> definitely think my faith does um, influence my songwriting. I don't know. Do you have any questions about that or anything? Well, I was just gonna ask, like, what would you say is your spiritual journey, especially like at this point in your life? Because you're what twenty four now. Yeah, and. You said you've only been songwriting for a couple of years, but kind of go further than that. Like, what would you say your your journey has been? Like, you're wanting my full testimony? Wh- or... uh, whatever you want to share. <laughs> okay. Well, there's probably a short, shorter version and a longer version of my testimony. Okay. So I don't, I don't know how much time you like had allotted <laughs> for this question, <laughs> but um, because it could get real deep. Go but, ahead. Um, yeah. So I was um. I was raised in a Christian home. We kind of already mentioned that we're both Cincinnati Christian, Christian homeschoolers. homeschoolers. You know, we're in that little clan. Um, so, by definition, I've um, been raised in a, a Christian home um, with Christian bias. Yeah. Um, and that that affects the way we walk through our our faith because mm-hmm. there's plenty of Christians out there that didn't have that background. So anyway, yeah, so my mom, um, you know, raised, raised me and my three sisters and, um, you know, she homeschooled us. She, she did everything for us. She was, 
you know, stay-at-home mom. Um, but, you know, her whole – she used to work at, like, a retail store before she had us kids. Hmm. Um, uh, actually doing kind of similar what, to what my wife does. She was, like, a uh, kind of assistant management kind of okay. position. Anyway, like, she could have went for it in her career, but she really cared that us kids um, got a, a good – education um she could push us in ways that the public school system couldn't um because she could be more personal um with us and and above it all she wanted to teach us kids about god i mean i think that was probably the biggest driving factor in all of that is Mm -hmm. she um didn't want like the government just you know teaching us whatever they want whatever they want right because i mean everyone everyone's opinion is biased and there is a type of school you know there is a there is a belief system that um comes from everything taught in in the public school system which isn't like i'm not saying that's like right or wrong right or wrong i'm just that's just the reality and for my mom you know she obviously has a biased opinion that she wants to um wanted to um, teach us or influence us through schooling us so um and then again also just being able to get a better education in, in general so with that context i was completely immersed into the christian uh, christianity as as a religion you know we we did our daily bible time we would read our bibles um, even as young kids we would we would memorize different um, bible passages um, she would, um, put us through different, uh, Bible curriculums, um, you know, the whole, the whole nine yards, just completely immersed into the, um, Christian, you know, as Christianity as a religion. And so, yeah, that, that definitely biased the way I thought. Um, but something I've, I learned quite quickly is just because you're raised a certain way definitely doesn't affect completely, like, isn't doesn't doom you to a certain belief system Mm. because ironically by being taught Christianity from a young age, what it caused me to do, at least in my experience for me, um, you know, everyone's different, but, um, I'm kind of a critical person, um, in general, but you know, I would do the lessons and stuff, but from the get go, I always had a lot of a doubt. Like, what is this? Like, this is just, you know, a religion, like who's to say, cause you know, I, we also learned about other religions yeah. um, in school. We weren't just like, uh, you know. Nothing else exists. Nothing else exists. And I think my mom was really thorough on that. Like, oh, we're going to learn about Hinduism. We're going to learn about Islam. So, I mean, we learned about a lot of religions, but Christianity was taught as the true religion, right? right. But um, we learned about different cultural, I'm going to call them religions. A lot of people out there would say like, no, you're wrong. That's, that's not a religion like... Um, you know, atheism or postmodernism, mm-hmm. um, you know, like a lot of them would like shy away from maybe using the term religion, especially atheists. Um, but you know, it's still a, a belief system. Right. Um, you know, even if you believe, if you believe there's no God, um, you're, you're basing your whole life and your worldview around, um, the fact that there is no God rather than right. there is a God. Anyway, so I I uh, I was quite critical of my mom's belief system, and I didn't just 
accepted. In fact, I don't, I don't really think I was a Christian, um, really all, most of my like teen years mm. at all. Um, you know, my mom, like they would ask me a couple times, like if I would consider baptism, but I wasn't interested. And I never told them that like, what was be- going on? Yeah. That I like, wasn't really completely on board on like I said all the right stuff yeah but I had a lot of doubt in my mind and I wasn't like I wanted to know if I was gonna like do something like that I wasn't gonna do something that was not and then take it back and take it back and not be true to myself Mm. like I wanted to be sure like when I made a a decision about something I wanted to make sure it was like well backed and not just something I'm doing out of peer pressure or something yeah um, so I, I didn't get baptized. Um, eventually I got baptized when I was 18, but anyway, that was something that was, you know, as a, you know, especially like a nine, 10, 12, 11 to like 14, 15 year old. That was something that was just kind of in the back of my mind. Like there right. might be something else out there that's actually true. I just need to find the right information or something like that. Um, so our family was pretty close. Um, obviously we're a homeschool family, but you know, my dad was pretty, um, involved in our lives as well. Um, he, he, he was an entrepreneur. He, -hmm. he he owns his own business. He's a, um, a design engineer and he works with, uh, like plastic moldings and stuff. Um, pretty smart guy. And he, he provided financially very well for my family and he involved himself in a lot of spiritual stuff. And then also like our sports so much so that like, he like became, he pretty much founded Trailblazers. Right? Um, he didn't found it. Um, okay. I, he would found. I would say he founded the modern version of it that we see right now. Yeah. Um, when we first got into Trailblazers as a sports organization, um, it was they pretty much just had basketball, and they only had like four teams. Um, there was like a varsity boys girls, and then there was like a U fourteen boys girls, and that was it. Yeah. Um, and then now today. Um, you know, there's like baseball, cross there's cross country. country, there's like eight different basketball, you know? Yeah. Um, and my dad was, he became the athletic director and, and uh, like basically kind of grew it to what it is today. Anyway, my dad was super involved in anything that we as a family were a part of, um, including sports. Um, you know, he helped us with our math. So both of my parents <laughs> were, uh, were very present, but um, something that kind of developed, um, when I was like, started kind of, it started a lot. Now that I'm older, I can see that it started a lot sooner, but when I was around 14, um, there started to become some turmoil in in the home with my dad. Um, my dad started to become kind of verbally, abusive and it's hard to explain that mm-hmm. in this context but he would kind of dig at my mom at things and just kind of be overly critical and we all I think felt that when he got into that mood it was mm-hmm. kind of just like this yucky feeling inside like why is he being such a jerk yeah. you know and and I think we could see that even from a young age and um as just kids I saw signs of some of his jerkishness. That's a really <laughs> poor, very, uh, um, 
I don't even think it's a word. Well, you know, English is kind of, the English language is pretty uh, malleable, right? Didn't Shakespeare, like, <laughs> come up with over 200 words? Yeah, yeah. So, like, you know, why can't I come up with... Jerkishness. Yeah, yeah exactly. You so, you know... Anyways. <laughs> screw all you uh, English purists, you know? Like, okay. The purest form of English is actually that there's <laughs> Tyler, no... Tyler, this is such a rabbit trail. No rules. Oh, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, nobody cares, Tyler. Anyways. Okay, yeah. So, I'm gonna... This could be, like, a way deeper, more drawn-out story, but long story short, my, my parents ended up getting um, separated when I was, like, 15, and then they ended up getting divorced when I was 16. I haven't had a relationship with him since then. Mm. So, it's been all, going on a decade where I haven't had relationship with my dad but I, that's kind of getting ahead of myself um what i what i wanted to say through this was that happened in my life and that was kind of a big turning point where some of these questions or doubts that i had in my head about my parents quote-unquote faith you know my dad claimed to be a christian and mm-hmm. some of his actions um i believe to be very hypocritical yeah um and it basically drove me to be like, okay, this is all a bunch, this is either all a bunch of bull crap or this is true. And it just wasn't being done right. And it wasn't being done right. Yeah. Exactly. Like, and so I kind of started going on a journey, um, personal journey to kind of figure out what was truth. Um, mm-hmm. Is truth even able to be obtained at all? Mm, like, is it relative? Yeah. Yeah. Um, which is exactly kind of the more postmodern view. Right. That's really popular now, right? Yeah. Um, so I just, you know, I didn't want to, I wanted, I wanted to live my life with purpose, and I also didn't want to do, I wanted to be a better man than my dad, mm-hmm. basically. Um, I didn't like who he was or how and who he became. Mm. Um, and so I knew that what I believed would seriously affect my future and, you know, my future spouse, my future kids um if i were to have any um and so it was quite important to me and i i kind of would become salty with my mom from there on out like whenever she would um you know we were still being homeschooled and she would provide certain readings that we would have to do and every time we would go through um you know i'd have to read a book or or watch a sermon or something i i kind of got overly critical in my mind over Mm. it like you went the opposite way. Yeah. Yeah. Um, but, you know, so I I, I went through um, a couple years of just agonizing battles in my own head. Mm-hmm. There was one side of me that, that knew all the answers from all the apologetics courses that mom right. had put me through. You know, like, why we believe the Bible, why God is real, and it's not just... Like, I had a lot of good material to, like, pr- like in my mm-hmm. brain, prove yeah. that God existed. But you didn't but have I was, that foundation. I, like, tried to find loopholes in it. Like, uh, where where's the flaw? Where's the catch? Like, where's yeah. the logic that isn't mm. lining up that I can be like, aha, there's the problem. Like, there's a logic issue here. And this is all a bunch of, like... It's a fallacy or it whatever. Is, yeah, it's a, it's, this is a whole fallacy. This logic is wrong, and we can't really find truth 
there is no such thing as the ultimate truth. But I, I went through a couple years of just mulling over that in my brain. And, you know, it, it got emotional at some times. I used to take, um, I think part of it was also stress from the divorce. Yeah. Um, but I, I, I would, on a lot, frequent occasions, I would, um, I got my license when I was 16. So I was driving like as soon as I possibly could drive. And mm-hmm. I, I would just drive to the woods and I would just walk around in the woods for hours and hours and hours all day sometimes. And um, I just spent a lot of time in the woods by myself kind of going through all these questions. I even read some books while I was out there. Books like Mere Christianity by C.S. Lewis. Uh-huh. The Case for Christ, if you've heard of that book. Yeah. Now, what's the author again? His name's... Um... I don't know his name. Shoot. He was an actual detective, though, right? He was a journalist. Uh... They, they recently made a, uh, like a um, movie about him and his life. Okay. Um, it's quite interesting, but yeah, he was a hardcore atheist journalist, um, and his wife, like, one day randomly decided she was going to become a Christian. Like, she became a Christian one day. And he was like, what the heck is happening to my wife? Like, I deal with only facts. Like, I'm yeah. a journalist. And my whole job is surrounded about finding hardcore facts that I can, like, yeah. um, cross-reference and, like, put all the pieces together and, like, find mm. out some truth. And basically, after a long journey, he basically realized that the most logical explanation is that it actually is true. Jesus is the Lord, you know, the, the Christ, that he did indeed... Uh, resurrect from the grave yeah that there was just there was more evidence that jesus raised from the dead than we put a lot of like we used to put people to death like on 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 trials like murder trials on less evidence than we have that jesus actually raised from the dead and like oh wow (laughs) logically there was no way he could like settle it he couldn't settle in his mind because there was just too much evidence. There was too many eyewitness accounts. There's too much, um, there's too many manuscripts in history. Um, point to this. And, you know, I'm just like stating random facts and like, you know, someone out there listening to this could be like, Oh, this nobody guy, he's just saying stuff and he doesn't know what he's talking about. You know, I could just be (laughs) making all this, everything I'm saying up, but, um, a Case for Christ. Uh, I think his, his name's like Lee Strobel, I believe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah I, I would encourage people to read that. That was good. Anyway, another, that was another <laughs> rabbit trail. Um, but yeah, search for yourself. He's uh, pointing to the microphone. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> search, for, search for yourself. Yeah. Um, so yeah, I. but you know, even after reading all that stuff, like it was good information, but it, I still, like I, I didn't like God. I, I actually kind of hated them. Like mm. I, I like kept finding that I had good reason to believe that he was like true and that the Bible is true. Um, and I won't give you all the reasons why I thought right. that. Like, again, you can do it yourself. You can do that yourself. But um, I couldn't get like as hard as I tried to get him not to exist. I couldn't get him not to exist. Mm. And I really tried. And there was a point where I think I believe I was like 17 almost 18 where I was at a friend's farm um and I was I had my horse there actually I had a horse at one point um and his name was uh Rio Diamond but Ooh. um yeah and he was white um it's pretty epic <laughs> anyway I haven't ridden 
a horse in a long time. Anyway, so I was riding, <laughs> I was, um, I was riding him and um, one evening on my friend's farm, and they own like a few hundred acres, and um, I was I was actually not really in a good frame of mind. I was just kind of at like the epitome of my like annoyance and hatred yeah. and like dislike of God existing. Mm-hmm. And I was at the like one end of a field and I saw there was like, you know, maybe a quarter mile of just straightaway pathway. And in anger, I started like, and I'm not proud of this, but I'm just stating this for what it is and just being completely transparent. But, um, you know, I started, you know, yeah, yeah. Like I'm going got, trying to get my horse to go as fast as he could. And I was angry at God and I took it out on my horse mm-hmm. and I, I, I like, I took my reins and like, I, I beat his butt trying, you know, and a lot of like jockeys and stuff beat their horse, you know, whip their horses, but, that horse wasn't made for that. but like, he's my horse. Like I, like, <laughs> at, at one point, like, it, you know, like a couple years back from that period, like he was resting in my lap, like laying on the ground and like falling asleep. And I was like stroking his head. Like he's my pet, you know? Yeah. You don't, you know, he's not You're a not supposed to beat him. Yeah. He's not a racehorse. But anyway, I was mad. I was taking it out on Rio and I was just whipping him and I was yelling at him and like, and just like going faster. And I, man, I, I, that was one of the most intense adrenaline rushes I've ever been through. Like there was, he was. I think he was scared because I never really did that to him, mm. you know? And he was like, what the heck is going on? So he just took off and it was quite an exhilarating ride there. But I was just so mad. Um, at the end of the field, um, Rio Diamond, he, he stopped, like he halted and almost threw me off. Um, but he was like putting his foot down, like I'm done. Like, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Why are you trying to kill me? <laughs> and he stopped and he was so out of breath, but he, he inha- inhaled and like his lungs expanded and my legs spread out cause I'm riding on top of him. Right. And yeah. then he like took a breath, um, like exhaled Yeah. and his lungs just like collapsed and he made this like really, loud snarl sound that was like it was really intense and like i never gut wrenching yeah i never heard him make that sound before um or really many horses make that sound before and i've I'd even worked at a horse farm like right. I, i've been fa- never I'm familiar with horses but um at at that i can't really explain it but at that at that moment that sound that came out of rio diamond's lungs was like a slap in the face from God because I all of a sudden like in in a second all that anger that I was letting out it was like God was slapping me and he was like I am God who Mm. are you you're like a little ant that I could just squash at any point like this animal that you're riding on that's like this beast this monster like I created this monster and I'm proud of it and like I remember reading a Bible verse where God like to Job, he's talking to Job and he's basically like, he's referring to the horse mm. and he's basically like, I mean, I, w- I wish I had it in front of me. I'd almost like to read it. Um, yeah. but you he basically, bas- you can pull it up. Yeah. But he basically is, um, just like 
hey job i made this isn't this awesome and he's like kind of like he's kind of bragging on himself he's like this this animal is a beast this horse that i've created like yeah um and i feel like i had a similar um experience where the horse halted and it was like god's like pay attention pay attention i'm god i'm not something to be um messed with Mm -hmm. i am not tameable i he can't be put in a box i can't morph god into something he isn't Mm. god is god and he doesn't change and we have to change our perception for him exactly not the other way around exactly god doesn't change we're Mm. the ones that have to change and so in that in that moment um you know, I'm, I'm trying to find that verse, but I have no clue what part it is in Job. Um, we might have to we can, search Google. Yeah. No, go ahead. Um, um, Job 39, 19 through 25. I'll just read it. Do you give the horse his might? Do you clothe his neck with, his, with a mane? Do you make him leak, leap like the locust? His majestic snorting is terrifying. He paws in the valley and exalts in his strength. He goes out to meet the weapons. He laughs at fear and is not dismayed. He does not turn back from the sword. Upon him rattle the quiver, the flashing spear and the javelin. With fierceness and rage he swallows the ground. He cannot stand still at the sound of the trumpet. When the trumpet sounds, he says, Aha! and smells the battle from afar and thunder. The thunder of the captains and the shouting. Anyway, um... Horses are awesome. And God's like, I know they're awesome. Like, yeah. He's like showing off. And anyway. I thought that, that's the conclusion. Yeah. <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, at that at that moment, I still didn't like God. Yeah. But I gave up at that point. You gave up fighting. I gave up fighting. I basically surrendered. And I was like, okay, God, you're real. I don't like you. I don't yeah. like that you're but this, you have to acknowledge all, it. but i have to acknowledge you like i don't like that you're that powerful i don't like that you're in control i don't like any of this but i'm accepting the fact you are and i mm. gotta figure out what that means mm. um you know maybe you're just this really awesome powerful all-powerful being out there that doesn't give a crap about me but if you exist and that's the case that's still gonna like that's going to affect the way I live. And so at that point I stopped fighting and um, I started entering into another journey in my faith, which was basically turning my hatred, like my, I was acknowledging God's existence. He was real. um, But where he, I would say like where God started just kind of prying and pricking and, and at my heart and tearing out misconceptions Mm -hmm. that I had in my mind of him that, were kind of wrapped around of a lot of emotion um, about my family situation with my parents divorcing. Um, and, um, you know, my, my dad took my mom through court for right. a long time. And so it seemed like we can never put that in the past. And there was still a lot of emotion of, like, hating my dad more and more yeah. and not liking him and a lot of bitterness building up. And so... Um, that I think put a lot of misconceptions about my view on God, like mm. as a father. Yeah. Um, and so there was just this period of God just digging at me and like ripping out a lot of, um, false beliefs. Um, 
in my heart and slowly turning my hatred into love mm. and adoration for him. Um, I didn't want it, but he kind of, it was like, he was like, no, you're going to love me and I'm going to show you why. And it was, it was awesome. I mean, I, I, God loves me so much and, and I love him and he really proved it to me. Mm. And in the Bible, he, he talks about wooing his children to him like a, um, groom, like woos a woman to be his wife. Um, and I really experienced that firsthand. And mm. it's, I have to look back um, at that period over and over again to remind me, like, how much he loves me, that he would spend that much time. Prying on you. Prying on me. Yeah. And so that that point where it turned to love um, happened sometime when I was 18. I was blessed to go to India. Um, and I started in... Uh, New Delhi and went all the way down south to Chennai, which is kind of closer to the southern tip, close to the equator. And it was stupid hot. It was like <laughs> it was like 120 degrees most days with like high humidity. I don't know why there are so many people in India living in those conditions. <laughs> I'm like, why did anyone decide? Oh, let's let's. This seems here. inhabitable. Yeah, this seems like. Imagine doing construction work there. Oh, I can't. <laughs> and almost all the buildings are made out of concrete too uh, like in dirt i don't know my gosh anyway so i i went on a trip with my friend um with a couple friends from the church i was going to at that point but one friend in particular who's still very um much in my life in fact i was just with him a few hours ago but his name's tim harris and mm. um he kind of led that group out there there was four of us um mitch autry um uh, Drew Admiral and uh, Tim Harris and then myself but um that wasn't the first time I was out of the country I actually went to Russia a couple times mm-hmm. when I was like 11 and 12 actually but um first time I went out of the country as kind of not an adult but closer to an adult right um and on my on my own without my any parents yeah right um it was kind of my own personal decision to go on that trip so um but God worked on me on that. It was only like 10 days or something I was gone. But um, there was a lot of time where I just spent reading uh, the Book of Romans Mm. um, in particular. I actually read through the whole Book of Romans on that trip. It's not that long, so I'm not like saying that to like... The whole book. The whole Book of (laughs) Romans. It's not that long. But um, through that and seeing um, actually Tim Harris, the way he... He was living, uh, he, he preached so many sermons that trip. Um, it was kind of a preaching trip. We went to multiple churches. He gave sermons. There was even a pastor's conference that he presided over wow. for a couple days. And I got to sit in on all that and just listen to him preach um, and, and love on the locals there. And, um, and all this, we, we went to, um, we were actually staying at an orphanage down there that's like where we were actually staying um most of the trip in chennai i believe it was i'm almost positive we were in chennai it might have been a village just south of there yeah um but that doesn't matter but um also interacting with the orphans and seeing how much they craved um love Mm. and, and affection and attention 
and um, when we told them about Jesus, they just like drank it up. Like they just, oh, what what are these people saying? You know, they were so um, curious and and so, somewhere in all that, God really, I think, I felt it. I felt a change in my heart happen. I can't say there was an, an exact moment, mm-hmm. but um, that played hugely on my heart changing to to a love for God and. Um, Shortly after my return trip, I, I talked with my um, pastor, Justin Huffman, at the time that I wanted to be baptized, and I I had realized that I actually loved God. Right. Um, that I cared what he thought of me. Like, I, I mm. desired to be with him. I desired for him to be my, my you know, heavenly father. Um, I wanted him to hang around. Yeah. You know, I... And I knew he did because he was really the one initiating this mm-hmm. whole thing. I was trying to run away, and he just kept showing up again. Um, anyway, so I was, shortly after that trip, I, I was baptized um, at a Baptist church in Cincinnati. I wanted to do something um, about it. I was mm-hmm. like, okay, I'm a Christian. Like, I, I publicly declared that. I'm on fire for God. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Right? That's like what everyone experiences when they decide they want to be baptized. All of a sudden, they're like a perfect human for like yeah. a, a month there. <laughs> they're on that spirit. It's like the, you come back from church camp, and yeah. you're just like, I'm going to I'm gonna get my life around now. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Like, I'm going to make a difference when, yeah. no, it's actually like you're not doing anything. If you, you might be making things worse, actually. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, if anything's happening, it's, it's, it's God, it's God, it's not you or me. It's nothing to do with you. Yeah. But anyway, I was kind of on a spiritual high and I was like, you know, how many other kids, especially like homeschool kids are in the same, we're in the same situation that I went through. Like they, they need, they need not just learn about facts. They need to know why Mm. they should love God. They need to know why this is important. Like in the practical application. In the practical. And then they also needed to know what it meant mm. to be a Christian, not just going to church on Sunday and saying something. Well, like what it means is in like the sacrifice too. Yeah. Like in, in, in a theological, a deeper theological um, context, because I mean, I found a lot of my friends, it, everyone's in different circles, but um, for a lot of people, it seems like they just went to church and they would go into the worship session with the music and they would get really emotional about it. But then the next day they were just like living life, living life very like Luke sinfully, mm. honestly, just bluntly. Like yeah. they didn't love God. They also, they love God for a day and then they just left him. And I was like, and I understood why, cause there's a lot of pressure there. And I, I had this desire to like awaken a mm. lot of my friends. Like I was concerned for a lot of my closest friends. So um, my church didn't have a lot of, it, it, they had a couple hundred people there, but they didn't have a lot of programs. So my pastor, Justin Huffman was like, Hey, this is great. We don't really have any programs for you to like jump into, but like, start one, start one yourself. Yeah. Like I'll support you. If you have any questions, like, like I want to, I want to help you. Like we can even, he, he offered to like, um, help me study the Bible. Okay. And so I went through like a year with him where he would, um, give me scripture reading and then I would have to like um 
like he, I had to do like a a rough outline of the Bible kind oh, of deal, wow. and like so he kind of put me through a little bit of like a Bible school that was like under the table, basically. Like it wasn't. <laughs> it was, <laughs> God's not taxing or tithing yeah, you for this, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. But yeah. Anyway, um, because you know I worked and I was busy, right. so at that point, like when I was eighteen, and you know, I was doing college. Um, as well i did a little bit of schooling at uc blue ash but um so he did that on the side and um i started a like a bible study at um like with a bunch of my friends and we started going through um we did a book it was actually more of a book study but it was a book by randy alcorn called in in the light um in light of eternity just kind of putting an emphasis like on trying to like awaken in people's minds and hearts that like life is temporary mm. and like what are you living for like in light of like if eternity is real and there is an afterlife what how does that affect everything yeah. you do and and so from when i was 18 to actually 23 i've always led some sort of group. young people's group yeah. book study bible study group that wet met weekly and that's i just did that for i guess it was about almost five years yeah and so that that desire to kind of um awaken um young people a deeper relationship with with uh, jesus that was genuine and real and based in truth um based in the god that the real god not just some like false god that we create in our brains or a candied up version exactly like god how he is the unchangeable god who is holy um who is not like us who is um perfectly good Mm -hmm. perfectly love loving Mm. and perfectly wrathful at the same time and i think um and that was just a big desire of mine and um so that 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 hasn't really changed. Sure, there was like ups and downs with like how emotional I was about it, like how on fire I was. Right? Yeah. We're talking about the whole like I'm a Christian now. I'm on fire, and then it yeah. kind of slopes down. So there was waves where I kind right. of was like really excited about it, and then not so excited. Um, but yeah, that's and so now um, I got married um, mm-hmm. in uh, March. So just not not very long ago um and i i recently put a hold on on doing a bible study because i got a new job and life life got busy but um i i'm serving in different ways i'm um now involved with a um kind of a new church plant um in downtown old mason um called um sacred mission church um, where I hope to be um, more involved. You know, I, I had been leading something myself, doing it myself right. for so long. I've kind of decided, uh, you know, it would be nice to serve under mm. people for a while, people yeah. that have authority over me, where I couldn't just um, do whatever, but, like, I was being held accountable for my yeah. actions. So, um, you know, I'm, I'm a newlywed, so I'm kind of taking that slow. But... Um, and diving into that slowly because mm-hmm. um, you know i'm trying to learn how to be a like a husband a husband <laughs> and, and a uh, a full-blown adult you know like yeah. providing you know you have living. a career now yeah like yeah. you know i'm not just mooching off of my mom <laughs> <laughs> you know i have to i have to make it happen we have to you know we have to pay 
the rent. You know, we got to pay all of our different bills. Gross. You know, just uh, you know, just adult adulting stuff. Yeah. Um, but yeah, that's that's kind of my um, testimony in a uh, over too long of a nutshell. <laughs> um, yeah, I think I think what you said about um, specifically talking about like wrestling with God is so interesting because in Job he's at that specific in that specific point he's like shut up he's yeah. saying like like you you like now is the time to just shut up because you're too into yourself but going through like this is kind of something I've wrestled with is like as I've read through the prophets they really really challenge God mm-hmm. and they're they like they seem angry they seem pissed off mm-hmm. they seem just overall like like God, I don't know why you're asking me to do the things. Like, I don't want to. Like, you look at Jonah. Mm-hmm. Um, like, that. that's that's a whole thing where Jonah just doesn't want to listen to God. He doesn't want to yeah. acknowledge it. He quite literally runs away. But it's so interesting because there are points where we really are supposed to test him and ask him for, like, in, in a weird way, that's us asking for reassurance. Yeah. But then there's a lot, like almost every single time he comes in, he's like, now is the time you shut up. Yeah. <laughs> now, now is the time where you submit. And I think like, I don't know. That's he just let, what made that he thing lets out. us question him. Yeah. And he, he, I think he almost wants us to. Because I think that's one thing is like nothing should be off. Well, okay. Well, here, here's the deal. God is God. He is holy. Right. You are free to test him. It's, the Bible actually says not to test him, but like you can, <laughs> you could, you can, uh, you can you drink can, the Kool Aid. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. Um, but you know, if as a child of God, He will put you in His place. Yeah. Like He will. You can't run. Mm. If you're a child of God, you can't run for him from Him. He will send a whale to swallow <laughs> you and then regurgitate you <laughs> and and spit you up again. Um, and, and literally or metaphorically he, he can and and this sounds so kind of harsh but like in job I, for some of you that aren't familiar with job like god literally took away um he let everything yeah he let the devil wreak havoc on his whole life he, his kids his, all of his um farm hands his kid his children his yeah. wife they're like all dead and then he let the devil plague him with like physical, physical ailments, Ill, ailments and, and uh, disease and um, and God allowed that um, mm-hmm. and Job like questions him and God's like I'm God and that's pretty much it he pretty much just like says that you don't know what you're talking about mm. but yeah like Jonah you know yeah um, there's there's all these instances in like the prophets where the prophets where people question God Mm-hmm. pretty unapologetically yeah it's like who do you think you are you know um god usually puts them in their place somehow yeah um because like yeah I, that's I what he know. does that's <laughs> that's what he does yeah i don't know was there an original question that we were going for you were just making i was just making i was yeah. just going on. so i got i got a, i got a question from your wife now actually oh. yeah and this is your question from your your wife Joy. All she says is, "Sailing?" Question <laughs> mark. What do you have to What do you have to do to that thought provoking uh, question? I don't even know if I want to open that can of worms. Um, so you know how I was like criticizing people trying to climb the corporate ladder. Um, 
for the uh, van life. Yeah, and, and yeah. van life and like idolatry again. Yeah, so like I'm I'm not criticizing those actions. Those are worthy actions. It kind of sounded like you. If were. oh, I am. If your heart's not in the right place, yeah, why right. are you doing it? And that, that's that's really what's the motivation? What's your mo- Yeah, exactly. What's your motivation? If you're just doing it to be to build your little kingdom. Or if you're going van life because you just want to live carefree and not worry about escapism, yeah, yeah, escapism, right? Um, that's that's I don't believe that's a healthy way to live. But uh, so is re- that not what you did in the woods? I think if there was, yeah, <laughs> it, it was necessary. Yeah, it was. It was. It was formative. It was formative. I I spent a lot of time contemplating. Okay. In the woods. So I don't think it was completely wasteful. I wasn't going to, like, I, there was probably some escapism, <laughs> but like God works in our sin, right? These are prophets that, um, like, and, and characters in the Bible that would question God's authority or like, mm-hmm. um, like kind of yell at him. Th- those may not have been completely the right ways to, to do, go about it. But yeah. God also like is very loving and understanding yeah. and he, he will, he will, uh, he will enlighten us to the truth. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, so I, that's kind of a side <laughs> thing, but I, I believe that God was kind of doing it. Like I probably, sh- like I probably needed to face. Yeah. Why is that? Why is that such a guy thing to do though? To go to the like, woods. just to be like, I'm just going to get in the woods and I'm just going to survive. And yeah. like, like I, cause like, like I've done that. Yeah. I, I, I know most of my guy friends have experienced something like yeah. that. And I'm not saying like, that's, like this is all girls necessarily, but I've talked to a lot of girls where they just can't relate to that at all. We're like, you wanna huh. you wanna just camp in the woods by your like why by yourself? That's that's just weird. Yeah, I don't know. Obviously a generalization, but like yeah, I don't why know. is that so? Why does that seem so specific to guys? I don't know. So I'm I can't speak for my wife, but I'm gonna speak for my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Anyways, no, but I, I so I maybe maybe I'm wrong to say this, but I don't know. I think a lot of girls like to yeah to spend time alone. I mean, my wife loves to to you know find a spot in the woods or by a stream mm-hmm. and set up her hammock and read or something, right? So like I I don't know if that's completely true, but I do think that like the the draw towards like survival or like it's it's like a manhood. That's that's type more. Thing. Of, I think that might be more of an accurate stereotype amongst guys but yeah i was totally a bear grills survivor man fan time to drink my own piss yeah, yeah. I, I haven't done that yet um, i hate how you said yeah <laughs> i hate that you never know if you never know when you might need to drink it. randomly end up in the sahara desert and i'm gonna die if i don't do it i don't i don't know how that could possibly i don't know how that would happen i don't know how that well I know how that would happen. I would have, I would fly over to uh, Africa and uh, start hiking in the Sahara without a water <laughs> bottle, and then that's how that would happen. Uh, You're per- solely for the purpose to be able to like. I used it for practicals. I had to survive. Yeah, exactly. Yeah. Um, but yeah. So <laughs> I've never drank my own pee. But um, um, but yeah, stuff like that. Like, oh, I want to start a fire with you know flint and steel or with yeah. a couple of sticks. Um, just to see if I can. Yeah, like yeah, catch a fish with a homemade fishing rod. I don't know. Eat it raw. Yeah, exactly. You did. I'm sure that. everyone can relate to that. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, sailing. 
<laughs> so my wife is pretty adventurous and that's mm-hmm. kind of part of the reason i, I married her because we, we could relate like she loves to do like she loves to be adventurous she likes yeah. to explore she's pretty spontaneous she's spontaneous we're both sevens on the enneagram so it's like a big adventure you guys have a problem <laughs> yeah it's it can be dangerous too let's um, go have fun exactly yeah um, if we just want to have fun all the time but somewhere in all that um in our personalities like van life has been a consideration oh my gosh. but it hasn't really because it's like um i don't know it's like we're <laughs> we need to stay here and be like well i thought like some van life could be <laughs> practical if you're saving money if you had a purpose like hey we're gonna make money we're gonna save money and we're gonna use that money for a good purpose right and i think van life could be um, I don't think many people use it this way. Yeah. Most yeah. Most people, it's just escapism, I think. But, um, but you could theoretically, um, use it in that capacity. I mean, I mean, imagine, I'm just thinking like, what if I didn't have all these bills right now? Yeah. Instead you have car repairs. Well, that would be pretty minimal though. But it's like, and it's I less most often. things myself. Yeah. As long as like, it's not crazy and take all my time in the repair. Yeah. Um, yeah anyway so i don't i don't know how it came up and i don't know why she chose this out of all the things she could have i guess but um we it came across that like the idea of van life but in a sailboat sounded awesome you know if you're in a van van life you're you're kind of um confined you're confined to the continent that you're that you're on but your boat in midwest ohio is a lot better (laughs) because <laughs> yeah caesar's creek you could totally sail anywhere in the whole world right caesar's... right all roads lead to rome i guess technically you could take a van on a ship or something and go across the pond yeah if you need it to sure. anyway but if you have a sailboat you are the one transporting the van well <laughs> no you could sail anywhere in the earth like on in all the oceans like you could go anywhere um theoretically if you survive oh my anyway gosh. that sounded fun but that's kind of a joke that we keep bringing up like oh see the first thing you uh, like last was it last week or two weeks ago i said what would you do if you just found like 10 million dollars your immediate answer was like i'm gonna buy like a five hundred thousand dollar boat and then just <laughs> leave and then your second your second your second thing you were gonna do was you were gonna buy the company we work for <laughs> <laughs> i was gonna run it from my sailboat on my laptop somehow. <laughs> like, Jeff will still run it, my boss. <laughs> but technically, I'll own it. Like, <laughs> <laughs> Would that make me, what are you, a uh, project manager? Could I yeah, be project I'm manager? Yeah, production manager. Yeah. Manager. Um, I, yeah, I think we could work you into that one day. That'd be cool. I'd be down with that for the long term. Could I visit your boat every now and then? Yeah, we could, you know, on the off-season. On the off-season. Pick you yeah. up. Hang out. You know, we'll sail the Caribbean. Um... <laughs> Yeah, but that's that's all just kind of a joke. I, I can't really... A joke s- until you make enough money. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> no, all serious, I don't... It would be fun to do... If if we got a sailboat, I can see us sailing for a month or two out of the year. Cause my, that's pretty good, though. My month has... My work has an off-season, as yeah. you know, because we work together. Like, summer's like 60 hours a week, 70 hours yeah, a week. Yeah, and possibly more sometimes, but yeah. there's a dead season in the middle of winter from, like, January to March. You could technically have a second full-time job. Hmm. Yeah, that's true. If I you think about it. That. But, um... Anyway, I... Yeah, but I don't... I don't think full-time sailing would be a very 
well. Um, I don't. I don't think it'd be very beneficial for the kingdom and like God, <laughs> and, and God's glory. So I, I, my conscience, I don't think would let me do that. Like I feel like if I did, I would just be flat out declaring that like I don't care and that I'm selfish. Like honestly, if I really did sail like on a permanent basis for like I'm gonna sail, I'm gonna go out. For, what like, if you were transporting years. like? supplies to people in peru there's on your sailboat that. <laughs> but that's how you justify it like consciously yeah. you're like oh i gotta gotta help the villages well you know i almost did that with, no you did not with, with aviation because oh okay, okay yeah so like i fly airplanes sometimes and i like to fly because um, again i'm a seven so like i want to i also backpack so i'm trying to conquer the land air and sea yeah you know that's like <laughs> but um you know, I almost was like, well, I could be a pilot. Well, but I don't know if, well, what if I was a mission pilot? Because then it would be like. Then I can fly and be good. Yeah, and yeah. it would still be like good for the glory of God. I don't know. But yeah. then I kind of realized that's still a bad way of looking at it. <laughs> I don't know. Um, sometimes God motivates, I think, does good work through people's passions, right? Like if you yeah. love to fly um, just because you're doing it because you love flying and then you're also helping like villagers in like distant places or missionaries. Yeah doesn't mean your heart's in the right place that's just god put it in you to like flying your plane so like i think you can be too critical on someone's heart overly critical like sometimes we need to be critical and sometimes it's like maybe you're being a little overly critical like maybe your passion god gave you that for a reason for his kingdom for his kingdom yeah but um i don't know how sailing could possibly (laughs) be uh yeah i i don't know unless I mean, who knows? There can be some weird situation I'm not aware of where all of a sudden it's like, oh, this makes sense. But uh, I really don't see that happening. <laughs> but, um, yeah. To close this out, um, for We Bid You Review, we talked about a couple things, but I thought this one would be a little more interesting. Marriage. Let's review that. Oh, really? Yeah. Wow. <laughs> right, this is a curveball for sure. I did not. So you've been married for how many months now? Well, um, well, it was kind of the end of March, so yeah, May, June, March. July. It's like four, four months now. A little over four months yeah. now. So, because um, what is it? The twenty twenty fifth. Yeah. Yeah. So we were married March twentieth. So, um, four months and five days. But um, man, I kind of miss the four month anniversary. You know, when you're first married, <laughs> it's like every month that happens. Like, oh. It's been a month. It's been two months, three months. By fourth month, I guess I didn't hold up to that. You gave up. The, like, they literally say the honeymoon stage is the first three months, right? I, yeah. yeah. Wow. Wow. It you really... They, that hit hard. <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, marriage is awesome. I I recommend it. For sure. <laughs> how did you... How, how would you compare how different marriage is from whenever you guys were dating? Like, what our relationship as or was in a dating relationship versus being married yeah our situation was probably different than how most people go about like marriage intention of it building to marriage like um we only dated for two months technically before we got engaged and then we were engaged seven months before we got married so um we were pretty good friends before we started dating so in a lot of ways by us starting to date um was kind of like 
okay, we're interested in marriage. Let's like, let's find out if we're compatible. We're com- like, yeah, like if we're in the same boat. Hmm. I don't know if compat. Like, I hate to use the term compatibility. Nobody's ever really like. 100 percent yeah exactly it becomes so overblown it is because no one i don't believe a person's soulmate really exists Mm -hmm. because no one's perfect right you know no one's really perfect for anybody because we're all sinners we're all no one's perfect no one's got it all figured out perfectly like we're gonna two any two people will eventually like hurt each other Mm. Um, yeah will offend one another yeah you're not gonna find somebody out there that's just perfect or not gonna offend you or like like we literally said at the beginning if you don't have a friend that annoys you you don't know them all yeah enough. and also the the the, pers- the perspective is wrong about what a wife or a husband or a or a partner should be anyways mm. because in our culture it's all about self like what is it like we talk about compatibility as if it's like, well, what am I going to get out of this? Ooh. What is this person giving me mm. that makes this whole thing worth it? And if that person is like rude or... Chews with their mouth open. Yeah. Yeah. Just or annoying, whatever. then it's like, well, that person's not really Deal serving breaker. me. Yeah. And it's so selfish versus how can I serve this other person? Mm-hmm. And I'm not saying that you should just marry anybody. Definitely not. I think... Two people who are going in similar directions in life makes a lot more sense than just trying to find the perfect person. Um, finding someone who has the same desires as you. Like, mm-hmm. I have a desire to um, serve God, honor Him, um, and Joy does too. Right. And um, when it all comes down to it, like, she's going to hurt me, I'm going to hurt her. Mm-hmm. Um, we're going to offend each other multiple times in our life. But when it comes down to it, our focus is serving God and serving one another. My mm. life is not my own. It's God's and it's my wife's. And the same would be for my wife. Her, her life is not her own. It's God's and it's mine. Yeah. Um, and, and then it would be ourselves, right? At that point, or, or even others, right? The Bible calls us to lay down our lives for others. Jesus calls us like to that. Um, to die to ourselves. He, he asks us to, um, he phrases it like carry your own cross, basically saying your cross is what Jesus died on. Right. Um, carry your own cross. Like when the Romans would crucify someone uh, or execute them via crucifixion, they would have that person carry their cross to where they would be executed. Like digging your own grave. Yeah, exactly. So when God asks us to, carry our own cross and follow him he's basically saying die to yourself Mm. and serve me and serve others um and so finding that that two months period two month period of our dating relationship um we already kind of made the decision that we liked each other in terms of like friendship yeah like the compatibility like oh we're both adventurous you know (laughs) we both generally like the same stuff we're not like opposites you know right um and then it was like, okay, but that's not really where, that's not what's going to make a, a marriage last. Sustainable relationship. It's, it's going to be where our heart's at, where mm. our, what our inward desires, like where is that? So we immediately went into counseling mm. um, with our um, our pastor um, currently, um, Justin Ramos, um, and, and his wife as well. But um, 
so that that two months was very crash course like okay let's like let's put all of our baggage on the table let's talk yeah. about our hearts desires like what are our goals everything um let's try and find some like let's purposely try to find something that will cause us to break up Ooh, okay like trying to actually bring up that conflict bring up the conflict Ooh. um and that was really helpful and 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 it was really purposeful and so that sounds weird like oh you dated for two months but i mean that was like it was hardcore we had crash course yeah and i feel like the dating was really done before that it was kind of like although like what's your favorite color (laughs) yeah (laughs) yeah um it's a blue but uh, um actually i i don't know blue is a good color red is too so is green okay uh (laughs) colors are so good yeah um, that was a really, <laughs> can we edit that? <laughs> so, so um, what was like, what kind of led to that decision to kind of not necessarily waste time in that process? Because like you said, like, that's not a really normal thing to do. I hadn't heard of, I hadn't heard of relationship counseling before engagement at all. That was something like you just jumped right into. Yeah, and I, so I don't think the way I don't think there's a set way right, to do it. Right. I had a lot of advice from a lot of people, and a lot of the advice I was getting from a lot of different people I respect were completely different. Mm. And so it's like, oh, I'm, <laughs> I'm gonna follow you, or I'm gonna take your advice. Well, it's like, like taking bits and pieces. Yeah. So I had to kind of take bits and pieces and kind of see the heart behind why they were saying what they were saying. Yeah. And so. And so I'm not saying I'm like I had it, I did it perfectly at all, but what I did was not my own understanding. I, I got it from a lot of counseling and a lot of advice from other people um, mm. that I kind of collaborated into this. But um, I I think it's extremely important to get all um, all the again, crap out I, of I don't way. think dating is really appropriate if it's not specifically for the purpose of figuring out if you can marry this person. Mm. Um, you didn't date anybody before, did you? No. I mean, I kind of pursued this one girl, but she wasn't... When it came down to it, like, we, she basically... It was, she was younger, and I was a few years younger. It was a few years ago. Yeah. Where, um, basically, she was, she was 17, and we were like, oh, we'll just be friends, you know? And then when we're 18, we'll, like, reassess. Mm. And by the time that like happened she was kind of like nah like i'm not interested i want to be single like i'm not interested in yeah you being in a relationship with me before so i don't i don't really count that because we didn't really date like i don't even think like we technically like went out to eat once that does not count and yeah like i've been on plenty of first dates with like different girls right like see like but like that doesn't mean anything no it doesn't mean anything it was like oh well you want to go on a you know, date a just, coffee date, a coffee yeah. date, just to like find out who you are. You know, like nothing like purposely like I want to be in a relationship with you. It's like, hey, like I'm looking for a partner. Do you want to like get coffee and we can just talk about each other's lives? And it's the it's the Netflix trial exactly. of a relationship. And see, you know, see see where it goes. See if yeah. like there's any interest here or not. Anyway, so I've done that plenty of times, but um, but yeah, Joy Joy is the first person I dated dated um. I, I didn't ever have the perspective that dating was anything other than trying to find find a, a spouse. Yeah. So 
I already assessed that Joy was someone I really liked being around, and and when we when we dated, I wanted to like. Um, well, I, I, th- I already said this. I guess what I'm saying is the reason I put counseling as such a priority in the dating process rather than engagement mm-hmm. is the point you get engaged, you're kind of like already like we're getting married. You yeah. already have all this stuff in your head. We're like, I like them. We're going to want it. There's all this emotional. It's in the chamber. Yeah. Yeah. Um, there's all this um, emotional connection that happens when someone gets down on one knee, holds up a ring. And says, "Will you marry me?" And and especially for for women, I believe, you know, that's that's something a lot of girls like dream of, right? Their yeah. their prince charming comes, um, and like, you know, like how many? I don't know how many like people watch Hallmark movies. I'm not a fan of them. <laughs> my but, grandma loves but them. But like, yeah, like my sister and mom will watch them like during the holidays yeah. because they're so predictable. It's the same movie. It oh is. my god. Anyway, but like, you know, it. I feel like it kind of plays to. Um, how women are wired, honestly, mm. where like they look for that guy that like wants them, and yeah. like that moment where you like, and a lot of times in Hallmark, there's really like they don't even know the guy very long. No, and, also, and, and next it's, thing and you know, fast. he's like proposing. Yeah, and um, <laughs> it's like what? Anyway, when that when that happens, that that adds a lot of emotion. I think it clouds a lot of judgment. So, anyway, I I believe the the counseling before engagement helps because it makes it a little less painful um if you have to part ways um if you are engaged there's a ring on the girl's finger and all of a sudden you're like holy crap we're not on the same boat at all that's a lot harder and you're i don't feel like it's very respectful to the other person either like i'm trying like if you're trying to really protect that person's heart and you care about them even if you find out they're not the person you're supposed to be with Anyway, so that was kind of my mindset. I wanted to protect Joy's heart. She was a, yeah. she was awesome. She was my friend. I, I cared about her. If there was any chance that she wasn't going to be my wife, I wanted to make sure we got there before we... Before you got on one knee. Yeah, because that yeah. would be hard. And for, for, for a girl to be like, oh, I was already engaged, you know, like, or, or a guy, you know, that just adds... You know, you, you didn't just date someone. You were actually engaged to someone. And that, that, that has its own connotations. But, um for the future so in an effort to protect her heart and 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 my heart as well um i think it was i thought it was extremely important to be very purposeful with that dating period um and you know it was really intense and it was full of a lot of tears and emotions and anger Mm -hmm. um it was rough i mean my pastor justin Ramas did a great job. He's like, I'm gonna try and make you guys hate each other. <laughs> and I'm gonna put you through the fire, and if you guys survive, then you should marry. <laughs> and it was awesome. It was epic. And Justin Ramas has like this big beard, and he's like bald, and he's kind of intimidating, and like, and so <laughs> he's a he's an eight for sure on the Instagram. Just large and in charge. Yeah, yeah. and you know he yeah. he's the man. But um, love the guy. But he put us through the ringer. And it wasn't, like, the joyful part about dating didn't really happen until we got engaged. Really? Like, I felt like we were like, oh, we're getting married. And then it was all of a sudden, like, You're we, super comfortable. we know all the crap yeah, already. Yeah, and it yeah, was like, yeah. we would just, we spent seven months just enjoying the fact that she knew me. Mm. She knew all of my baggage. Yeah. All my sin that was hidden. She knows sin that no one else knows about besides God. And vice versa. And so we got to go through this engagement period as like, we know each other. There's nothing I'm hiding from you. There's nothing 
like we're not hiding anything and we're going to get married and then we just had fun yeah you know, we could just you know have, just plan the wedding yeah we could plan the wedding we could go on dates you know we could go hiking and it was just it was fun and a lot of the stuff that people do in the dating process uh, just have fun right and yeah they don't even ask the question whether it's a good idea or not and next thing you know they're together with that person for two years dating and then they're like and then they start asking the bad the hard questions Ooh. maybe even after they got engaged and they're like holy crap i can't marry this person next thing you know you just spent two and a half years to three years of your life with someone who's not your spouse yeah is that protecting your heart or her heart i don't think so and uh, you know i'm not saying i'm the one who holds all all the truth here right. but that's that's my thought process i mean i would much rather i would much rather have somebody come to me and say regardless of situation or whatever and be like look like uh we thought about this whatever but i'd really i'd just rather not date you i'd rather have that like from the beginning mm-hmm. than just a year down the road two years down the road like whatever that may be be yeah. may be be <laughs> like it's not necessarily don't waste my time because, you know, if you care about that person, that time mm-hmm. is valuable. But it's there's there's a maturity aspect to it of we can use this time more efficiently. Yeah. Which is that sounds like so corporate, like we, we have to maximize efficiency. But there there is a certain especially well, for I'm you guys is like we're you, sevens. We're yeah. we're we're the it, we're the personality type that, that craves spon- like yeah. spontaneous things. Yeah. Um so and part if, of it is you guys being like in that young adult. Joy is like a little bit older than you. It's true. I mean, like, I'm 24. She's 26. Yeah. We're not in college doing school. We're both yeah. past that. We're both, we have, you know, jobs. It's a totally different context. And you're also in like mature enough places where it's like, yeah, like get in the game or get out. Yeah. But. And, you know, I don't, I don't want to like, I think an unwise way to implement this is thinking, putting an emphasis on like, you know, I don't want to, I don't want to get to, I don't want me to get too emotionally involved. Like I want to protect myself. Think about protecting the other person, right? Like get out of yourself. Stop like, like don't make this type of dating or purposeful relationship all about like, I got to figure out if this is right for me right. or not as efficiently as possible. Think about like, you know, every, as part of it is honoring to the other person, yeah, honor the other person. Don't put them through a emotional whirlwind by you know, having fun for years and then deciding whether you're going to get married. Yeah. You know, I don't think it's very honoring to the other person, but you know, so. So what would you give marriage out of, out of 10? What would you rate it? Um, probably a nine. <laughs> okay. Okay. That's, yeah. that feels more honest than a 10 because a 10 is like, I have to answer. Okay. 10. So I will say this. There are pros and cons. Um, when you're single, I mean, Paul even talks about this, right? In the yeah. New Testament, he's like, you can I wish... serve the church instead of your wife. Yeah. Like, <laughs> Essentially. <laughs> well, he's like, you know, I, I would, you know, Paul, um, he was like, I wish more, like more of you would like embrace your singleness. Like you don't have anything holding you down. Like go serve the church, serve the kingdom. Mm-hmm. If you die, you're not leaving a family in a yeah. bad place. Um, but on the flip side, like, marriage is painted very beautifully in the Bible as well. And like, I, I experienced that when I was, when I was single, I had more time to do the Bible study that I was doing for the last five years, the book study. Um, I had more time to, to just do something spontaneous like, Oh, I'm just going to go on a mission trip, you know, to India or, or, um, I don't know. You just, um, 
go to a pastor's conference or like yeah. a, a mission conference or something. Like I could just make decisions like that and it didn't affect anybody because it's just me. Yeah. Um, I could spend a whole evening um, speaking to a young man um, at a coffee shop or, or, or some, some place, which I, which I had done in the past. Yeah. I could, I would literally talk to these, these kids up until 11 or midnight at night on a weekend during the summer. Mm-hmm. Um, just trying to like speak life into discipleship, them, disciple them. Um, as a married man, sure. I can still do that, but it's not, I have to consider some things. Yeah. Like, do I have responsibility um, to my wife, um, you know, like, was I supposed to get something done? Like, did I make a promise? Yeah. I need to keep that promise. I need to have integrity. So there is some constraints when you're married to when you're, you're single. But at the same time, the pros, that's why I'm saying nine, because the pros overwhelmingly, I believe, exceed the cons. Yeah. Um, doing life together with someone who has the same heart and desire as you mm-hmm. to to serve God to to minister to other um, young people um, is is amazing not having to sleep alone at night with your thoughts <laughs> but literally being able to sit in bed with someone you know loves you and that you love um, despite their um, imperfections mm-hmm. um, them knowing every dark thing about you and vice versa to be able to just not to just talk with them about what you're thinking or dealing with and being able to just like kind of mull through everything in your brain not just in in yourself like by yourself but with another human um and that that is something i really that's in particularly awesome not having to be alone at night with your thoughts i I think your thoughts can get quite dark yeah at night when you're by yourself yeah like start and you start to have um, like bad thoughts yeah. that your brain just coming up with by uh, on its own. But with, when you're with someone, um, they can help you, and like yeah. you can help each other stand. Like you can lean on each other, and that's awesome. It's a beautiful thing. That's the that's something. Um, my friend, my friend uh, Nate and I, we talk about that a lot. Um, for like me, my senior year, that was one of the things where I was like, like. Senior year was particularly rough for me, and I've like I've talked to you about that stuff, but the day would be fine, and I could like I could survive the day, and night would come, and just like getting into that head spice was something completely different. And kind of what you said about like having somebody to be with, I was talking to a friend about how growing up I never really saw adults talk to each other about stuff that they were going through the same way I was talking to my friends, hmm. and that kind of like weirded me out because i'm just like i didn't necessarily see that vulnerability between adults and parents and not necessarily that was superficial but it just kind of like stuck out to me because as kids you're trying to emulate what your parents do you're copying them and stuff but i'm not seeing them be open Hmm. but i brought that up to a friend and one of the things she said was like well that's because like that is meant for each other Mm -hmm. they're not gonna they're not gonna they're gonna keep that confined to those bedroom talks where it's just the two of them. They're not putting that on you kids. Mm -hmm. And there's some things where, you know, you don't really need to tell your friend about it, Mm -hmm. even though like they might be, you know, for you, Anthony, for me, Rowan, like any number of friends it might be. If you're not telling your wife that does, is there, do you have a problem with her? Is, does it concern her? If it is, you should be 
going to her about that. Mm-hmm. And it just kind of like really changed my perspective of like, wow, like your spouse is supposed to be your best friend. Quite like literally. Mm-hmm. It's the tell everything to, the know all, the be all. Mm-hmm. There's nothing to hide. Yeah. You have nothing to hide with them. Honesty in marriage is so important. Yeah. I mean, the the moment you start de- being dishonest, like you just, you lost like half your marriage right there. <laughs> Maybe even more than that. Because really, that's really some of the biggest pluses I've found in being married. It's just having someone to be, like other than God. Mm. Just like God knows you already. There's nothing you're hiding from God. But like yeah. being able to verbalize and just be brutally honest with someone. Um, and that that's hard to do. You have to like force yourself to do it. But um, it's a beautiful, it's a beautiful thing. Yeah, and I, I, I definitely think um, there is something to be said about Christian brotherhood, which mm. is not being done properly, no. where men aren't being vulnerable with each other. Um, but there was a group I w- had a privilege of being in a couple, a couple times, and it's a local ministry called Hard the Outdoors. And um, um, but they have a program called Blood Brothers, which actually, you know what, they may have changed their whole ministry to Blood Brothers because they're kind of focusing in on this aspect. But the whole point of the ministry, Blood Brothers, is to basically um, encourage men um, mm. to be vulnerable with each other, to build each other up, to be honest um about their struggles and um that was also a very beautiful thing to witness because it's like as as men especially the more you get older like you're you know no you're in college right now and um you're young and and a lot of your friends that are your age are still single um and you have more freedom and and it's a lot easier to have these conversations but you get you know, you, you get married, you have kids, you have to start providing, you go to work to put food on the table and pay your bills. Mm-hmm. It's really easy to just kind of get docile, like to just close yourself up. Yeah. Um, and not be purposeful about having other brothers. Yeah. yeah. Brothers to be vulnerable with other than your wife. I mean, your wife should know everything and vice versa. Like you should be completely honest with her and, um, I think some people would disagree with me. They would mm. say some things you need to protect your wife from. Yeah. I think there could be some truth in that, but I kind of really lean on the honesty. I think there's wisdom and discernment, and it really depends on there the situation. Is. And I part just, of it, part of it is having. I don't want to be necessarily like you. You don't even know because you haven't been married no, yeah, that long. I but don't like, know. I'm very new to this whole thing. Yeah. So I, I definitely, I don't really have a complete fully developed opinion on that right i as of right now i lean on be honest about everything because i think if you just fault on that you're going to be because if because if you're if you're hiding the little things eventually what else are you hiding in the exactly big and i really just be honest with it and I've, again i've only been married for four months and we don't have kids or you know anything like that so like there's a lot of life i have to live and experience to kind of like i don't even know what i would need to be have discretion on sharing with my wife yeah right now. like i haven't come across that situation yet it might be out there but i haven't experienced it yet yeah so um but anyway i i think uh christian christian uh, brotherhood and having other other males um men who are in similar situations to you right providing for their families mm-hmm. um trying to raise their 
you know, their kids and, and provide, um, other people you can relate to in that aspect. Cause you're, you know, maybe, you know, even if your wife is like a, a working woman, not just, you know, not necessarily a stay at home mom. Yeah. Um, there's still, um, you know, which is becoming pretty common now, right? Both parents working. Um, but, um, there's still aspects of your, of your life as men that you need other men to, who, who get it. Who, who understand what you're getting you. going yeah. through where where your wife might not yeah. exactly understand completely yeah. like how your brain is working because there is that difference between guys, guys and girls yeah. and that's um i was actually talking to this guy i know somebody i want to become better friends with his name is chris bearford he goes to lee okay and he um a friend of his is in the military and he's kind of become obsessed with this concept of like phileo of brotherly love kind of like philadelphia it's i think it's like spelled similarly okay um and how like the english language we talk about like oh there's really only one word for love there's like intimate love affectionate love brotherly love sisterly love like whatever that looks like um phileo is specifically that bond of brothers that he's been experiencing in the military and i think like that kind of touches on the point of we have those people those men especially where it's like the iron sharpens iron situation where we can challenge each other, push each other, stretch each other. And it's not, we, we, we haven't been trained for it. That's part of it. We haven't, we haven't been shown what that's supposed to look like, but then you're told that it's supposed to be something that you do. Mm. And that's really difficult. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And that's, I would, I would highly, um, suggests the blood brothers program um if you live in the cincinnati area and mm. you're and you're a, um, a man um obviously I, I think you know i so i was gonna say well if you're like you know a man of the family and you know all this <laughs> i suggest this program but I, I you know you know who knows if anyone out there um listening to this um feels like they don't really know what that looks like yeah to op- you know to have a brotherhood to open up about um um, struggles in your mm-hmm. life with other men. Um, that that is a great local program to the Cincinnati area to mm-hmm. check out. Um, you know, part of the backpacking adventures I've done have been with the program for that. No, not with the program, but on my own with that intention. Ah, uh, okay. Um, to to create a space where guys can get out there and open up to each other and and pushing yourself to a physical limit. You know, having to climb, you know, mountains and hike miles um, and, you know, extreme conditions, carrying a bunch of weight on your back, um, pushing yourself to the max, you know, to the breaking point um, creates a space of vulnerability. For sure. um, And teamwork. Yeah. And and brotherhood and, and opens up good conversations. And I've had a lot of good conversations in some of the trips I've led. Um but yeah, that's extremely important. But your originally, original, you were wanting me to talk about marriage, and uh, I think marriage is by far um, one of the greatest gifts God has given man, and mm-hmm. should not be taken lightly. Um, we need our brothers, but we can't um, neglect the way God made us. Like he, yeah. you know, the Bible says, a man who seeks a wife is doing like doing a good thing. Like he, he's doing a he is right in doing so. Um, yeah. God 
in the garden, you know, said it's not good for man to be alone, you know, so he, he created woman, um, you know, so man wouldn't have to be alone. And, um, and that's, you know, the created order of things. Mm-hmm. And um, when we follow the creative order, it's beautiful. And the world will try to tell you it's not. They try and kind of recreate what the perfect scenario is. But that I think that comes into a selfish heart. Yeah. Like, it's really just, it becomes about you. Exactly. Rather than serving somebody else. Exactly. But even, that's that's another beautiful thing about marriage, is it really gets you out of yourself. All of a sudden, mm. it's not about you. Even if it was about you, you have to actually, like, you have to, like, consider these things. Like, I, why, like, it's, if you're going, if you're getting up early every day, um, um, and working hard and you don't want to do it but you're doing it to put food on the table or pay your bills like you really have to ask yourself why am i doing that like yeah. why am i doing this like i could just not i could just leave everything right now and a lot of men do a lot of men just straight up leave their families yeah i mean i, I know multiple men who have i came from a family that kind of went that way yeah that kind of happened too um i have multiple friends that their dad's up and left literally just up and left it was like you know the midlife crisis thing but like they pretty much just left they're like well why am i doing this well honest they're just selfish yeah you know it forces you to kind of ask yourself who you are when you're with anyway <laughs> it's probably when i'm sure i talked way too much because i know these <laughs> i think we've went over the uh, usual time probably nah, right it's all good yeah but tyler thank you so much for being on the podcast I really appreciate it. Thanks for being, thanks for uh, telling your story um, in however many segments that it may be. <laughs> but yeah, I really appreciate it. Is there anything you want to plug before? Well, I guess uh, if I had to say, say one last thing um, to anyone, whoever's out there. Um, <laughs> Alien life. <laughs> Aliens are real. No. Birds aren't real, actually. Birds aren't. <laughs> Anyways. Apparently, that guy, like, I've been told, <laughs> is a Cincinnati homeschooler. Yeah. Yeah. Teddy knows him. Yeah. Yeah. Anyways. Anyway. <laughs> um, man, guys, seek God. He's that's out. it. He's oh. out. <laughs> yeah. That's that's really it. Seek him. Don't, don't settle for just what you've heard. Mm. Find him for yourself. Mm. Um, the Bible says... Um, if you seek him, if you seek me, you will find me. Yeah. If you if you seek me with all of your heart, um, he's real. Words to live by. Yeah. Thank you so much, Tyler. Yeah. Thanks, Noah. It's uh, been a pleasure.